0: Hello, I'm Maria Titizian.
1: And I'm Rubina Margosian, and welcome to the Week in Review for the week of February 16.
0: In the news, four Armenian border guards are killed following an Azerbaijani attack. A major shuffle of the top military brass takes place after this latest incident, and Armenia's economy minister is sacked and charged with abuse of power. After months of
1: relative stability on the Armenian-Azerbaijan border, this week four Armenian border guards were killed and another wounded following several hours of cross-border fire by Azerbaijani forces at Armenian positions near Nerkinhand in the Sunik region.
0: Andran Kocharian, head of the Parliamentary Committee on Defense and Security, said that the killed and wounded soldiers were part of the Yergrabba Volunteer Union. An investigation into the incident has been launched. Two days later, on February 15, Sasun Mikhailian, the head of the Yergrabba Union, said that all five were targeted by snipers.
1: Armenia's foreign ministry issued a statement condemning the aggressive actions of Azerbaijan, noting that Baku is looking for pretexts for escalation on the border and that these events were preceded by bellicose statements by the military and political leadership of Azerbaijan that are meant to disrupt efforts of achieving stability and peace in the South Caucasus.
0: And as was expected, the US, the EU and Russia called on the sides to refrain from escalating the situation. And today Armenia's defense ministry denied Azerbaijani claims that Armenian armed forces have violated the ceasefire near Vartenis in Armenia's Khegharkunik region. And we know, Rubina, that usually when this happens, it's always followed by some um, you know, violation or an escalation. Yeah. So things, you know, we were sort of lulled into this uh, moment, if you will, of uh, things had settled down, but clearly they haven't and we're seeing an escalation. And, you know, we were having this discussion this week as to why um, the Yergrava Volunteer Union has units uh, on, on, the on the borders. And of course, this leads us into questions about um, you know, military reforms, which we'll talk about uh, in a minute, because following the deadly incident, there was a shuffle among the top military brass in Armenia's armed forces.
1: Well, the prime minister dismissed the first deputy chief of the army's general staff, Gamo Kotjuns, and replaced him with Artur Yeroyan, head of Armenia's main military academy. No official reason was provided, but it came, as you said, Maria, just after the killing of four Armenian soldiers in nerkinhand Kotjuns is 61, and Yeroyan is 46. Uh, and the senior parliamentarian and retired army general Gagik Melkonian said that it is part of the ongoing reforms. There will be more more changes in the general staff at as it's clear that we are buying new military hardware and are going to change our previous mode of governance, he said. Pashinyan also appointed nine other senior defense officials.
0: In recent years, the Pashinyan government has uh, made reforms aimed at improving Armenia's resilience, a key policy goal. And Pashinyan insisted in a recent interview that both Armenians and the international community see that the country's resilience has, quote, improved significantly. The reforms in the military are aimed at establishing a professional army, Pashinyan has emphasized the role of army officers, calling the position a pillar of the state. Well, he
1: considers the homeland defender, a motherland defender, either way can be translated, program his government's greatest success in recent years in the professionalization of the army, calling it a foundation and a cornerstone of the army. I hope we don't have to test this out anytime soon, Maria, well, but still <laughs> the program allows conscripts to become at least five-year contract soldiers, receive a monthly salary of 450000 to 550000 Drums as between $1,000 to $2,235 by undergoing voluntary certification. They serve in the nearest military unit and live at home during their service and receive a lump sum of 5 million drums. $12,000 at the end of the five-year contract. They have the option of extending their service.
0: Well, the government is also seeking to recruit women um, between the ages of 17 to 27 for voluntary military service. They are offered... An honorarium of uh, 1 million dirhams. This is about 2,400 US dollars for six months of service. And the first female uh, was ceremoniously conscripted in late January, and they tried to use, you know, they were showing clips of her.
1: Yes. Well, I hope she doesn't stay alone for long. Otherwise, it will be a very ceremonious. (laughs) Well, Pashinyan uh, has complained in the past of the slow pace of reforms and pointed to draft evasion as a key problem, as only less than half of the military draft age group is drafted into the army, which he said points to mass corruption, where the medical community, the military, and the public are allied with each other. He has also pointed to the apparently widespread physical and mental abuse of conscripts, which turns the army into what he describes as a Half open prison. And Maria, we're working on a piece. Uh, it's still uh, not finished about this new law that allows for people who've left the country so that they wouldn't uh, serve in the army and this new law in place that allows them to return in uh, in return for a lump sum of money or gives them option of serving less time in the army and paying less. There's this whole discussion about this as well.
0: Uh, I mean, yeah, sure, these discussions are happening and then we're reading all of these lovely things. But then on the other hand, and on the ground on the trenches on the border we're seeing you know failures of these so-called reforms and uh, it's it's really disheartening and i think that we as the media and as civil society and just as you know regular <laughs> armenians living in armenia we really have to push for more civilian oversight in the armed forces um yeah it's great that women are being you know allowed to to serve but if if the reforms aren't taking place then and, and we know about the hazing and, and the, the pressures and the forced suicides. These are all things that we really need to publicly talk about without being afraid of coming under uh, attack. Because at the end of the day, the security situation is so precarious. And, you know, all of these statements again by uh, and we were just talking earlier that. You know, after the statement today by Azerbaijan, are we going to have to come back into work? It's not about coming back into work, of course, but you, you know what I mean. Uh, I mean, can I
1: say this publicly? Me and Maria, whenever we leave on Fridays, yeah. uh, we wish it each other a say, I hope I'm not in touch with you over exactly. the weekend. <laughs> so I hope we're not in touch with yeah, We over say the that every night, actually. Uh, yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, in their efforts to reform the military, Armenian officials have sought support from Western partners. When Chief of the General Staff Edward Assyrian met with American colleagues, he noted that Armenia is interested in receiving support and learning about the best practices from partners, especially the U.S. In October 2023, when Armenian and French defense ministers announced a major arms deal, the latter stressed that uh, Paris would support Armenia's efforts to reform and modernize its military. And I think the time is long overdue and for sure.
1: Well, by, back to our discussion. For example, there needs to be more transparency, and this is the example. If we ask the Armenian government or the army how many posts are manned by the Yagrabah Union, For example, we will not get an answer oh. because it will say it's a state secret. If, right. But there is a tipping point, right? If like how, how much of your
0: security can you trust to the Yagrabah? You can't. Let's let's be very frank about this. I mean, one of the I don't even want to call him a soldier. He was a volunteer, uh, was born in 1957. I want to know what a 60 plus year old is doing guarding the border. Why do we have this situation? Fine. Let's go back to what Pashinyan said. There's, you know, people are evading service and all of that. Well, if the if the conditions in the army weren't so bad, people wouldn't be evading them. And this goes back as much as much. I mean, sure, you're always going to get that. Well, Pashinyan spoke about
1: the border incident mm-hmm. uh, this week during the cabinet meeting. He said that. Um, Azerbaijan's intentions remain the same uh, to pursue a policy of military coercion against Armenia and a policy of, give me what I want through negotiations, otherwise I will take it with war.
0: We, 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 we didn't learn that lesson in 2020. <laughs> Well, he also accused Baku of interfering in Armenia's internal affairs by demanding that Yerevan change its legislation. It's the whole legislative framework. Attempts to interpret that there is any provision preventing the signing of the peace treaty in the legislation of the Republic of Armenia have nothing to do with reality, Pashinyan said, adding that during the negotiations of the peace treaty, Armenia and Azerbaijan agreed that the parties cannot refer to their legislation with the aim or objective to refuse fulfilling any provision of this so-called
1: peace treaty. So basically what he's saying that we've already agreed that legislation has nothing to do with our obligations Mm -hmm. to fulfill, so it's not related. Well, he also, coming full circle, he also uh, said that Azerbaijan continues the threatening rhetoric also in connection with Armenia's military reforms and the acquisition of weapons and equipment. He said having a strong and combat-ready army is the legitimate right of every country. Armenia recognizes the territorial integrity of all neighboring countries and has no goals outside of its own territory. Armenia has only legitimate goals, namely the defense of its internationally recognized territories.
0: And speaking of Azerbaijan, during his inauguration ceremony, as our listeners may remember last week um, Aliyev was re-elected as... (laughs) Surprising. Well, uh, Ilham Aliyev said that if Armenia does not bring its legislation in order and does not abandon territorial claims against Azerbaijan, there will be no peace treaty. He also said that the normalization of Armenia-Azerbaijan relations should be dropped from the international agenda. He called everyone to mind their own business as Azerbaijan has, quote, resolved its problem.
1: And next, they'll see, like, yeah, take care of your ecology, your neighbors, So we (laughs) will not have a peace treaty unless you're more eco-friendly. Stop all mining. And uh, the Azerbaijani National Agency for Mine Action said that they have no relation to the mining, actually, said that they have received the landmine logs from Armenia. However, they insisted that the logs are inaccurate. In response, Armenia's foreign ministry said that uh, given the unnecessary uh, speculations on the part of Azerbaijan, Armenia has also provided these logs to several international partners, who, if necessary, can be involved in the process of verifying the accuracy of these logs.
0: And while Yerevan and Baku are exchanging public statements, uh, Moscow and Washington are talking about assisting Armenia and Azerbaijan in ongoing peace talks.
1: Despite (laughs) Aliev's calls for everyone to mind their
0: their own business. business.
1: (laughs) Well, this week, Igor Khovayev, the Russian special representative for Armenia-Azerbaijan talks, was in Baku to discuss the peace treaty, among other things. According to Maria Zakharva, he also extends the visit to Armenia soon. And Assistant Secretary of State for European and Eurasian Affairs, James O'Brien, said tensions point to the importance of more diplomacy and that Washington will continue the path of trying to bring the parties together.
0: And Russia's ambassador to Baku, Mikhail Yevdokimov, told... Uh, a Russian news agency, Izvestia, that Azerbaijan is determined to establish peace, but Armenia is delaying the negotiations. And Zakharova
1: said that (laughs) Moscow and Yerevan are discussing the return of uh, Artsakh Armenians to nagorno karabakh She added that the return of Armenians to Artsakh must—she didn't say Artsakh, by the way. That's Mm. like our our copy—must take place with the proper protection of their rights and security. According to Zakharova, Baku and Moscow are also discussing the organization of a joint patrol service in nagorno karabakh and the protection of historical and religious monuments. So much to say, I'm going to hold my peace right okay. now. Okay.
0: Well, she also commented on Armenia's accession to the ICC. She said that Armenia's decision to ratify the Rome Statute and join the International Criminal Court negatively impacts its relations with Russia. She also said that the recent border incident shows that Yerevan and Baku must resume the implementation of trilateral agreements signed in 2020 uh, to 2022. She added that Moscow is ready to provide consultation to the parties.
1: And whenever Russia is upset with Armenia, Mm -hmm. uh, the following, uh, or a version of the Mm -hmm. following happens. Russian authorities again discovered issues with products imported from Armenia. This time they found vinegar in the Jermuk mineral water.
0: (laughs) Well, on February 12th, Russian media reported that a man sustained throat burns after drinking Jermuk bought from the store. Um, it, it's just, I mean, we're just relaying the information here. Later, the man reportedly died. Russian authorities banned the sale of the remaining batch of Jermuk. Now, Jermuk group has said that it does not use vinegar for the production of mineral water. They also said that the batch that was banned by Russian authorities Uh, in fact, corresponds to Eurasian Economic Union standards. Armenia's food safety
1: inspection body said that their Russian counterparts have not notified them about the serial number and production date of the faulty mineral water. It also said that it is possible the water was forged and bottled on the spot and sold under the name of Jermuk. uh, Mm -hmm.
0: well. Well, you know, we've seen this before, not only with Armenia, but with other countries that Russia has let's call them relations, on several occasions, Russia has weaponized Armenia's uh, economic and trade dependence on it by temporarily banning the import of agricultural products. Most recently in October, this past October, at a Particularly tense period. Russia withheld 60 trucks transporting brandy from Armenia at its border with Georgia. The following month, Russia tightened import and export controls, causing hundreds of Armenian trucks to be stranded at the border. And Russia justified it by citing food safety concerns. In other news,
1: this week, uh, Foreign Minister Art Merzuan was in Brussels to participate in the fifth session of the Armenia-EU Partnership Council. Before the session, Merzuan held talks with Joseph Borrell representative of the European Union for Foreign Affairs and Security Policy. The two men held a joint press conference afterwards.
0: Morel said that the discussions of uh, SEPA, this is the comprehensive and enhanced partnership agreement, showed Armenia-EU relations are developing positively, adding that there is room to unlock the full potential of this agreement. He said that the EU decided to launch work on an ambitious new EU-Armenia partnership agenda that sends a strong signal of EU-Armenia mutual interests in a new strategic phase in the relations.
1: Options to start a visa liberalisation dialogue with the European Union were also discussed during the session, and Borrell took good note of Armenia's strong interest and encouraged Armenia to further step up reforms in order to progress on this issue.
0: Commenting on the recent border incident between Armenia and Azerbaijan, Borrell said that the Armenian shooting of the Azerbaijani soldier was deplorable, But he went on to say that Azerbaijan's response seems to be disproportionate, ignoring the announcement by the Armenian Defense Ministry that the incident would be fully investigated. He said, adding that this yet again illustrates the urgent need for the distancing of forces, which is something that the EU has long been advocating.
1: And the EU will allocate 5.5 million euros in humanitarian aid for the displaced Artsakh Armenians. Uh, This is in addition to the 12.2 million euros already provided in September.
0: Well, in national news, Armenia's economy minister, Vahan Keropian, was uh, sacked on February 14 and detained for abuse of power the following day. He has been put under house arrest for two months. His detention comes amidst an ongoing corruption investigation, which implicates senior economy ministry officials in rigging a procurement tender, which was organized by the ministry and later invalidated by a court. This happened last June.
1: Well, Synergy International Systems initially won the tender despite submitting a much higher bid worth uh, 392 million drums, about 1 million U.S. dollars, than the other bidder, uh, Harmonia. In a statement issued yesterday, Armenia's investigative committee said a group of ministry officials colluded with senior Synergy executives to illegally disqualify Harmonia and ensure Synergy's victory at any cost.
0: Deputy Economy Minister Ani Isperian and four other uh, ministry officials were detained. um, At the end of January under the same corruption case, another ministry official was arrested in a separate corruption investigation regarding the misuse of government aid meant for private entrepreneurs uh, setting up uh, what's called intensive uh, fruit orchards. And during last week's
1: cabinet meeting, Keropian had criticized both criminal investigations, arguing that the investigators did not charge his subordinates with bribery or embezzlement of public funds. He uh, complained that uh, the inquiries have paralyzed the work of the entire state system, as many government officials are not sure that their honest work will not be punished in the end.
0: This week, Armenia opened an office in Luxembourg you know, an office. Is it an embassy, a consulate? Representation. A, a representation. Mirzoyan said during the opening ceremony that the establishment of a resident diplomatic presence of Armenia and Luxembourg is an expression of Yerevan's commitment to fostering closer relations and effectively advancing multifaceted cooperation.
1: Armenia is also in the process of acquiring a new embassy building in Paris worth 23 million euros. The building has historical significance as it belonged to a former French president and in September, the Armenian government brought a new embassy building in London for around 22 million US dollars.
0: You know, it seemed to be a very heavy week in terms of the news, but um, it, it, there were two big news pegs really um, this week: the the border shooting, of course, the shakeup at the um, and the armed forces and this whole Ministry of Economy uh, corruption scandal. Um, But we did continue to also uh, publish our regular articles. And we're very happy to announce that we launched a new column by Sheila Palin called Unleashed, um, as she explains in the audio message. And we have an audio message. (laughs) We tried something new. (laughs) The column is a collection of musings on the Armenian experience with the the objective of drawing out elements of the universal, which will hopefully resonate. with people from all cultures and walks of life. The first piece, called Wake Dragon, as the title implies, is a call to transform adversity into opportunity, fear into fortitude, and challenge into triumph. So you could uh, watch for her pieces that will be coming up regularly in the coming weeks and months. And um, so far, the reactions have been really positive, Positive, yes.
1: Another piece, it's actually part two of Gu- Guides Minasian's Can the West Be a Reliable Partner for Armenia? Which actually, Maria, someone on Instagram had answered and said, No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, other than that, Guys uh, uh, says that Armenia, like most states, is navigating troubled waters as the world transitions from a West no longer solely shaping the history of humanity to a global South, seeking reparations under the influence of China and Russia. Well, he kind of explains, but in relation to Turkey, for example, which I found interesting, he is advising to distinguish between uh, normalization and reconciliation, and he explains what effect each would have have on Armenia's relations with the West in relation to Georgia. Minasyan points out that the prospects of pulling all resources between the two markets and furthering the prospects of opening the north-south corridor between Europe, uh, broadly speaking, and the Indo-Pacific via Georgia, Armenia, and Iran uh, will be a... Good thing to do. <laughs> Let me sum it, sum it up that way.
0: And we also have uh, been publishing another column uh, by Maria Gunko called "Outside In." Um, this week's essay is called "The Female Fix." I really enjoyed this one, uh, Rubina. It talks it's about just like nice humor, very kind of like yeah, and very cultural, insightful. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and as the the title of the column implies. She is an outsider who's looking in and and drawing her own um, sort of uh, observations. And she talks about traditional gendered divisions of household labor where repairs fall to the man of the house and his ability to perform this kind of work is you know deeply linked to him being seen as a proper man and she approaches the story from the experience of life in a small armenian town where everything is structured between the poles of shame which we call amot which we love to use on the one hand and respect or harkank on the other Um, and i love the the part where she walks in and she sees her friend with a hammer and her hand uh, because her husband is a labor migrant and how she says it was like she was in such shock that uh, I saw her in that position it it was like I caught her having sex (laughs) um, so definitely read Maria's uh, Maria Gunko's pieces they're they're quite um, revelatory
1: and another story that's not so uh, inspiring actually behind the wheel fatal car accidents on the rise well, Armenia has one of the highest rates of um, traffic accident that's among all European Union and former Soviet countries. Please take note, former Soviet <laughs> countries. we in the second place. Other than uh, highlighting the terrifying statistics, the author actually looks at uh, where we have failed in the last decade, because this has been going, these numbers are Mm -hmm. going up in the last 10 years. And he also kind of points out that um, there are effective strategies already exist in existence to reduce these numbers uh, of drunk driving in As particular. Well. Mm-hmm. And there's no need for politicians to invent new solutions. Just
0: figure it in, out and implement, implement it. Yeah, because hundreds of people die each year in Armenia uh, because of traffic accidents. And finally, we today we published, a, 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 we, we've been doing a lot of articles in part 1s or part 3s part 2 of Anush Vartanian's exploration of Daniel Zununis of Daniel Zununi's life and work Zununi was Armenia's first and only cinema mogul he was accused of sabotaging the work of Armen film in 1936 obviously this is you know a little peek into our history and after spending several years in prison he was released but he never returned to the theater and you know you, it end, you at the end of the piece you end up thinking what would have happened had he been allowed? To continue creating and um, innovating uh, how Armenian cinema could have really progressed, even under uh, a Soviet system. Since we're speaking about Armenian cinema this week, for those
1: who listen to Armenian podcasts on EVN Report, Mm -hmm. you know, Paitsev Saga in Ainu Vigen Vigengalistian, spoken with Meli Karabetyan about the situation of cinema, about our realities now. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that would be an interesting uh, Mm -hmm. listen if people have time and... uh, yeah, Listen Yeah, sure, podcasts. indeed.
0: And speaking of this, um, you know, Rubina, maybe it's time we uh, let our listeners know that we will be having the third iteration of our media festival um, from May 30 to June 2nd. It's going to be at the Ikitian uh, art gallery f- and yeah, the small theater area. on Apovian. We have already uh, some, you know, exciting and uh, guests. <laughs> guests that are coming and we will be revealing those slowly as we get closer to the festival. So mark your calendars. And uh, as always, we are keeping our fingers and toes crossed that we will continue to have Some piece. And uh, because, you know, last year we had 17 journalists who came from all over the world, from India to the UK to the U.S., what else? France, Lithuania, Sweden, Finland. And, uh, you know, many of those journalists who came did stories uh, about Armenia and Artsakh, and I think this is a, a great opportunity for for these journalists to come and see our stories and hear, uh, you know, the things that we go through. So, keeping our fingers crossed that we continue to hold on to peace in in our country and in the region and i hope i don't hear from you over the weekend <laughs> and you don't hear from me over the hopefully weekend. well uh and with that uh this is the kind of week we've had we do wish everybody a safe and peaceful weekend and we will be back again next week